0: Welcome to the TechCastler podcast. This podcast is for you if you want to hear the unfiltered stories from inspiring tech entrepreneurs. I started this podcast and the community to create what I was missing in the tech industry today. My mission is to make space for women in tech by creating a platform where they can connect, get inspired, and gain new knowledge that will help them to accomplish whatever they are dreaming of. It doesn't matter if you're a tech founder, an employee, or dreaming of launching a startup. This podcast is for you. My name is Ivana von Proschwitz and I'll be your host. It's time to start hustling smarter, not harder. Today's guest is Juliana Ariujo, she is a senior product manager at Spotify. She moved to Sweden in 2018 as a Brazilian immigrant. She is a public speaker and a Nordic Women in Tech Awards winner, where she won Mentor of the Year in 2021. And she is also founder of Bila. Utilizing her experience in coaching and mentoring skills, she has empowered immigrant women and non binary people to secure their first tech job in Sweden and has provided a community to share knowledge, experience, and offer support. Aside from diversity and inclusion, Juliana is passionate about music, data and analytics, science fiction, anime, and manga. Warm welcome to the podcast, Juliana. Thank you. Thank you, Vivana, and thanks for having me here. You have been uh, on my uh, dream list for, <laughs> for a long time, so <laughs> I'm super glad to have you in the podcast studio with me today. Amazing. And thanks for that. I feel very flattered. Thank you. Yeah. So tell me, how did you get into STEM?
1: Yeah, that's an an excellent question. Um, STEM was actually not my first choice. Um, So I think as soon as my teenage years passed and I finished high school, um, I was always very passionate about uh, languages in general. And I started studying linguistics. Uh, So that was my first uh, shot uh, into the university studies. Uh, My first year was a very tough year, um, and I decided that was probably not the path that I wanted to go further uh, with linguistics. And um, after my first year, I was um, very much burned out uh, with college, and I had a very, very tough life of having like two hours of commuting to go, Mm -hmm. two hours to to come back home. Uh, And then I took a break uh, in between like this first year, I dropped off, um, Linguistics, And I spent some time trying to figure it out what I was going to do. And I was around like 19 at this time. So I was very young. And uh, my brother, who's three years older than me, he started studying tech. And he was always very um, committed and always very passionate about it. So he loved games. We loved games. I still uh, play a lot nowadays. But uh, we loved games when we were younger. And uh, he wanted to start developing games uh, and i w- I always found it interesting, but I never felt like that i that was you know I was so passionate that I would go forward. It was only after this period of you know break that I gave after the linguistics uh, first year uh, that I realized seeing my brother coding and programming that that was something that I really enjoyed as well. So I had a lot of influence from him. Uh, but I also knew that in the situation that I was uh, when I was younger, you know, um, my parents very humble people. We were we never had no money to think of, think very much on uh, majors like uh, medicine or this kind of stuff. They're very expensive in Brazil. I saw. Uh, the future with tech as being one way out of my reality as well. Uh, I knew that they had like highly paid paying jobs and I thought, okay, maybe this is a chance that I need uh, uh, to to try to change my reality and my parents' reality as well. So to be very honest, it was a little bit about passion, but it was also a lot about, you know, trying to change my reality with a profession that could pay our bills. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, and that, that is a hope for many People around the world, I think, to educate themselves, to have a better reality and and provide for their family.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I always like to to say the story that when I started studying, uh, I did a computer science degree. When I started studying, I felt a lot of guilt Um, because, you know, most of my reality friends, immediate friends and family, they were at my age working and they were not studying. So they were working to put food on the table. And for me, it was always like, why am I pursuing a degree that takes so long, that is so hard? Why am I pushing myself so hard? Is it going to be worth it at the end? But I think I appreciate a lot the parents that I had because they were very strict with me by saying, you don't need to work. We're going to try to provide as much as we can so you can study and you can focus on your career. But even even uh, though I, I in the end of the my, my major in computer science, I was working already because I felt like the need actually to start, you know, contributing more. But I always like to bring that story because I feel lots of students feel like this as well. Whenever they are working and their parents and, you know, their family... Need support, we keep feeling that guilt of uh, not working and not contributing with the family, and and you're actually spending much more. Because even though I went to a public school, there's all, you know, everything involved about getting uh, 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 a a degree in Brazil. uh, Absolutely. Um, And it's very different from Sweden because there we do not have support like grants or anything to support a student. So we need to pay ourselves, even though the degree uh, might be free if we're lucky to get into one of the public universities. Mm -hmm.
0: But you have very wise parents that gave you that opportunity uh, and were able to provide for you while you, you were studying. Yeah. So, what happened then when you finished your studies? Did you start to work?
1: Yeah. So, uh, the last year I got a trainee job uh, in a in an e-commerce company, and uh, they were doing a lot of things uh, when it comes to data, and it was all data was always something that I was very passionate at school, but it wasn't the most obvious path uh, when you get out of a a degree like that, it's such a technical degree. uh, Usually you go to more like software development side of things. And um, what happened to me is that I always loved, you know, to be um, um, very data-oriented and very analytical. And then I found this trainee job that was, you know, very uh, manual job that I would it was basically me querying a database, checking if the migration was going correctly to another database. So it was very like a manual and dumb job. And what happened there is that um, somebody from the consultancy company that was doing the whole database migration that, that I was validating, one one of them saw me and said, ''Hey, I think you do have a potential to do a lot more than just doing this kind of stuff.'' And I was like, ''Yeah, but it's my first job ever and I still study.'' And they were like, do you want to join the, the consultancy company as a trainee and have the opportunity to actually build the systems instead of being, you know, just there validating? And I was like, yeah, why not? So I think I, I took a lot lots of risks, um, mostly because I was super ambitious at this age. Um, and I was like, as I said, pretty young and uh, full of energy. And I wanted to get, you know, so I started in this consultancy company that had uh, business intelligence projects all over Brazil. And then. And suddenly I, was, I started traveling a lot outside Rio, that is my city, to go implement this uh, business intelligence projects all around the country. So it was amazing. I got a lot of experience,
0: although it was pretty hard. Uh, I got a lot of experience. Yeah, it sounds like you got a lot of experience. And sometimes it can be good to start at a consultancy firm as well, because then you see other different businesses and how they operate and how they build their, their products. That's a very good insight to have.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I always say that to uh, the community, uh, telling them that if you have the chance to be exposed to different industries, to get to know uh, the industries and identify what it is that you like, that is amazing. And I think also companies, they provide with that. And sometimes it can be quite hard because, you know, they are going to demand a lot from you, uh, a lot of fast learning and so on and so forth. But I believe you know it's it, for me it was it was a, a great opportunity to learn yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And um, how did you end up in Sweden? Yeah, that's a, also another <laughs>
1: different question. Yeah, very nice. I had um, always in my mind that I wanted to have an international experience. I wanted to work outside Brazil uh, since I didn't have, as I said many chances when I was younger to get out of my country. I was always very curious about the world and uh, always curious about languages as well and learning different stuff. Uh, so I had in my mind, you know, that one day I'm going to try to apply for jobs outside Brazil. And uh, But I never felt, you know, it was the right timing until I started working in a product company. So I started working in a startup in Brazil and uh, I had a Swedish boss, Um and he influenced me a lot not to come to Sweden at all, but it was a lot about if that's something that you want to do, you know, start preparing yourself, get better with your English, get better with your uh, CV, try to check what is the market, you know, outside Brazil looking like. Um, so on 2016, actually, I put a goal on myself that I wanted to start preparing myself to to uh, apply for jobs outside And it was only on 2017 that I took it real. I started doing a bunch of interviews and Sweden was never in my top five. No, I was either like, and I was going bold, like either Australia, Canada, Europe, and then in Europe, you know, different regions, the U.K., Never the Nordics, because, well, it's so cold and we never know a lot about the Nordics uh, to keep, you know, a a deliberate choice to come. Uh, So what happened is that a Swedish company, through Color, they contacted me through LinkedIn by saying... Do you want uh, to be interviewed by a position here? And it was exactly the same position I had in the product company that I was working as a product owner and not not a data-only person anymore. So I wasn't coding back in those days anymore. I was working with product development. And then I said, yes, why not? And then they say, yeah, it's Sweden. And I remember the recruiter, um, she Uh, She's still my friend nowadays, which is really nice. She sold me Sweden. She pitched Sweden, you know, in a way that I really enjoyed. And then she said, you're going to love it here. Come. And then I did the whole process. They hired me and I came. So it was very much, you know,
0: Sweden uh, chasing me. Instead, I chased (laughs) Sweden. (laughs) That's nice. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, and what is what was your first impression of Sweden when you arrived? So uh, first, I have to say that I I came here in January, and uh,
1: it's summer in Brazil, and I, since I'm from Rio, it's pretty hot. So I left Brazil with like thirty-five degrees to arrive here with minus something. Yeah, so pretty it was, shocking. It was. <laughs> I a would shock. imagine And yeah.
0: darkness, the darkness as well. Yeah,
1: very dark. I remember my uh, first week. Uh, I I would start I guess in the third week uh, uh, from the moment I arrived and I remember the True Color team they asked they invited me for a board game night and it was pre-COVID so they invited me and it was around uh, five in the afternoon and I remember walking in Stockholm for the first time with with the city completely dark at five and I was like what's going on Mm. and I felt you know very overwhelmed uh, by the darkness I would say but also lovely because you know uh, first time that I actually saw snow falling and it was that period you know that the city is all with many lights in Stockholm as well so I think my first impression was very good but also very
0: scary for being so different very different I can imagine yeah yeah, must be a cultural crash. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Absolutely. It still is. I think now until nowadays, almost five years later, I still feel, you know, in the small things, the difference. Uh, and I think it takes ages to adapt. And sometimes we don't even adapt. There's always something new. But it's also exciting as well to to identify those differences. And uh, it gets to a point that right now I keep saying that Sweden is my home after five years here, but also Brazil is my home. So it's like my
0: heart is completely Divided between the two countries, you can have different homes. I believe. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) What? What? What are the? Differences that are the most obvious to you and that you meet in your everyday life. I think the first one is
1: the most obvious one. Besides the weather, we don't even need to go there. But I would say culture-wise, the work-life balance that we have here. I think uh, in comparison, uh, in Brazil, we are probably closer to the American culture of working. Uh, so some lots of you know uh, overperforming, something that uh, it is appreciated all the time, and uh, working. Uh, over, you know, hours is super appreciated as well. So I remember that when I, uh, a very, very like tangible example, when I used to at five or six would get up of my seat and go home in Brazil, uh, my, my friends uh, and the Brazilians listening to this, they will definitely identify they would joke saying that are you demotivated why are you leaving at five why are you leaving at six in the meantime so since I didn't have you know the the time to study a lot about the culture differences and everything when I came to Sweden my first job at Through caller, I remember that I was working until 6 30 7 and I saw everyone leaving And I was alone there. There was one day that my manager, he came to me and said, Juliana, I I see that you are working from six to seven. What's going on? Do you need help? And I was like, no, I'm here because I'm motivated. <laughs> yeah. And 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 and, the, and so it was such a shock for me that he would even feel that I was not able to do my job during the time that I had. And he wanted to hire more people. And I was like, no, I don't think that's needed. I'm here because I'm motivated. And he was like, yeah, we don't think that's healthy. And then I had you know, a completely switch. And now five years later, I keep thinking about this is so good. I, I started to appreciate that much, much more.
0: Yeah. And that's so interesting the, the story that you, how different you can s- view as the same situation. Like from some cultures, you can f- see it like, uh, uh, do, don't you like your job? Don't you want to perform? Why, why are you leaving so early? But here in the Nordics, we are like, is there something wrong with you why, <laughs> why are you at work so much exactly, exactly. <laughs> or why why are you so ineffective like can't you get your job done during the working hours that's so interesting i think that you have different sides of the of the, or different views on the same same situation yeah yeah absolutely, absolutely. very interesting yeah and last year you you got an av- award as well for nordic woman in tech awards for uh, founding Mentor of the Year and founding uh, Bila. Yes. yes. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. I still feel like uh, sometimes these things happen in our lives that we don't know how to explain. You know, I think uh, the award um, was one year ago. So Nordic Te- uh, Nordic in Tech um, awards uh, is actually... Uh, initiative from uh, some folks that are based in um, Copenhagen. Copenhagen yeah. Exactly. And uh, this year I actually gave the award, the Mentor of the Year award, to the 2022 winner, which oh, was so really nice. nice. Yeah. yeah. But I think. Uh, The award was actually something that I wasn't expecting. And uh, somebody nominated me, and it's anonymous, right? I suspect there is somebody from my team at BILA. But I think BILA itself, the organization that I founded, was very much a reflection from a period that I was passing in my life. So it was very personal to me. I felt the lack of community. I felt the lack of uh, support. Uh, not only know from uh, organizations, uh, already existing organizations, but I I always knew that there was something missing, uh, that there was uh, something that we could do, you know, to support each other better. And uh, founding the organization was something that, it happened. I had the idea. I sit with my co-founder. That's one of my best friends. And I told her, hey, I had this idea of creating something. And my relationship with Denise, with my co-founder, is very interesting because when we met, I was already, of course, working with tech. She was in a journey to tech. She wanted to get into tech because in Brazil, she had um, a job as a business analyst. And here, because of the language um, she couldn't find a job in that area, so she wanted to to um, join, you know, any any jobs in the tech industry that would relate, you know, with her. And I started, you know, giving her tips and talk to her about, you know, how it is the scenario here, how do you apply for jobs, which courses you should do, and then we realized that we got so much material that could be spread. Uh, with others. That shouldn't be, you know, in between us. So it was sort of, you know, starting of a mentorship relationship that I had with her. And uh, when we decided, you know, to scale up that idea and create a company, we thought, mentorship is something that we need to do because that's how we started and uh, we saw the value like not for me as being a mentor but also for her being a mentee and uh, back and forth we had uh, so many insights and so many opportunities that the first thing that we thought about starting a company is that we're going to start with a mentorship program. This is uh, something that we want to do. And that's how we got the award because I think the program was very tailor-made. We do have many um, amazing mentorship programs in Sweden. We have uh, meet to chance, we have name a problema, many of them. None of them are very target to a sp- specific persona. And uh, uh, tackling you know immigrants and people who wants to join tech, it became more than a mentorship, a professional mentorship, but it's also like almost you know a life mentorship. Where you have people that have been here, you know, for so long as immigrants, as and being mentors with people that just arrived and they don't know uh, where to go. So the program is amazing, and I think uh, the award was something, you know, to 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 uh, reflect how amazing it is.
0: Yeah. Hmm. But when you do good things, people notice, and when you especially do good things for your community and want to serve your community, then that that get notice. So I think that that's a big congratulations. Thank you. I'm not surprised <laughs> <laughs> that your initiative got got to our award. But also coming back to mentorship, I think mentorship is is very crucial and so important. So I have been driving a mentorship a mentorship initiative at Women in AI, mm-hmm. and like you said, there are other mentorship programs. But when you do a specific tailored mentorship program to a specific industry or a specific profile then that's much more beneficial because then you can really find the right uh, mentors and mentee matches because that's what everything is about right to find the right match and also interesting what you said like when when we started that mentor when I started that mentorship program I was like also thinking that it should if it's a career advice program but when I got the feedback from the mentees it's a life life coaching program, basically. So there was much more questions around the soft skills and like, what what is the right strategy or how do I reach this person or what should I do with my life now? Like, should I do this or that? So it's much more about growth, I would say, and career advancement than actually the tech check pieces or what do you experience in in your mentorship program?
1: Yeah, and it's absolutely, you're absolutely right. I think uh, we have very loose goals for the mentees and mentors. We let them uh, find what it is that they need. Uh, So we give, you know, frameworks, but we do not set goals for them or anything like that because we feel like sometimes we have people that are more, into, I need help with uh, tech itself, I need help with coding. And then we're going to find, you know, folks that are very good at uh, teaching and uh, training and pair programming and so on and so forth. But most of the people, they're actually looking for connections. They're looking for meaningful connections. And I think that's what we experience a lot in the program. And the, the best of the relationships are probably uh, the ones when we can find a good match that can fill in this hole of connection. Uh, so I would say, uh, we have a very positive result with the program when it comes to getting a job. And uh, I, uh, I think like more than sixty percent of the people who join our program actually ends up getting a job in tech, which is one of the purposes of the of the mentorship. And uh, i i don't I do not have the data for this yet, but I believe that it's much more, uh, because of the connections that they made and the network that they made and actually the skills that they learned there, you know, when it comes to coding. So I, th- I feel like the networking uh, in Sweden is something so important. I mean, I was recruited through LinkedIn
0: Right. And it's
1: so huge here. Sometimes when we come here as immigrants, we have no idea because in our countries, well, LinkedIn is not even a thing. But here it is, uh, unfortunately, you know, a bubble. And to penetrate that bubble, sometimes, you know, these programs, they are key. And I think most of the success of the program, it is about
0: uh, connections and networking. Mm. And network is so important today. Network is a privilege. I had another um, conversation with with, uh, another guest in the podcast. And we talked about the network and that it's so important to provide opportunities or to get in, in the right contact with the right person. And, but it, today, it has become a privilege to have the right network. So I, I think you're absolutely right. It can be so hard sometimes to, to peers or like to get in, in the network of, and to find the right connections that can benefit in your in your career. Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. And uh, I think one of the biggest struggles as coming here to this country and not getting to know anyone is exactly that. You do not have a network. Like you do not have friends, you do not have family. How do you build that? And you need to get out of your comfort zone to do this. I know for me it was hard and I am uh, I consider myself more in the extrovert side of things. So I have, you know, the gift and, and the privilege to be more extrovert, to reach out to people. But I keep imagining about, you know, the other, other people who do not have, you know... Uh, 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 the courage to uh, go on and talk to people and communicate. So I guess that's why we create the community because the community, it is for everyone, right? There's not uh, uh, one profile that we we prefer to have in our community. It is
0: for everyone that wants to have connections. Mm, That's amazing. That's really good. And it's really important work. So how many members do you have in the community? So we are around 500 people all around Sweden. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah.
1: And we are like... uh, Um, less than two year old so right now we have um, most of our community in Stockholm but then we have a group in Malmo and Gothenburg as well so it's uh, growing in Sweden which is amazing.
0: That's amazing and what other um, segments do you have in, in BILA? apart from the mentorship program?
1: Yeah, so we do have the mentorship program. We also have a newsletter that is uh, something that's very valuable to us because uh, when Denise and I started, we had, uh, as I said, this knowledge base and things that we wanted to share with the the community. And we started creating newsletters that we would send uh, twice a month and the newsletters are pretty much uh, gathering of all the events in tech happening, especially for beginners. So uh, we every every two weeks we uh, gather all of the meetups that are happening, courses, trainings, boot camps, code academies. Uh, so we ad- we advertise many of our partners. Uh, so we have, for example, New to Sweden, Pink Programming, all all of these things are happening. So we take and put everything into one newsletter so you don't have to, because we feel like sometimes things are quite spread, so many things happening. So it is a place where you can actually find things that are happening, that are very target for people who want to uh, join tech. And when we say tech, is very broad. So we do not consider only like software development, but we have like UI, UX designers, marketing, everyone, you know, that works with STEM in general. So we have a podcast as well, uh, Billa's Talk, and Billa's Talk um, was born because of a need to tell stories, Uh, I think uh, one of our pillars is actually to inspire people to get to uh, join tech. And uh, most of the narratives that we hear, it's a lot about, I don't think that's for me, I don't like coding. I mean, I I studied five years of law in my original country. This how how this fits. So we wanted um, these people who just join our community to get inspired by stories of other people who came from a completely different backgrounds. So first, our first season was all about you know grabbing people from completely different backgrounds, like vegan chefs, personal trainers, people working with democracies and politics, and how they did a transition to tech in Sweden, how they learned Swedish how they learn English. So that was the first season, basically telling stories. And it's very emotional because people, you know, talk about the periods that they have, depression when they come and how it was difficult for them to choose tech. And the second season, we wanted to focus on companies because we know that part of the problem of making, especially a career transition, it is how to land the first job without experience. So we wanted to understand what is the problem on the other side? Why is it so hard to open junior positions? Why it is so hard to actually, you know, uh, give people an opportunity, people that do not come from uh, big schools like Stockholm University and KTH, but people who are self-taught uh, and so on and so forth. So second season was also really nice, and we are looking forward to have the third Third is going to be a lot about intersectionality. So we're going to focus on not only women in tech, but how it is to be a woman in tech with disabilities, how it is to be a trans person working for a tech company, how it is to be an elderly person working in a tech company in the middle of the TikTok generation. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be doing a lot of intersectionality. We're going to talk uh, neurodiversity neurodiv- uh, as well. Uh, so we're going to bring people with autism, ADHD, and how it is that they uh, uh, are immigrants, right,
0: with all their Abilities working tax. so that's gonna be third season wow that sounds super interesting yeah exciting I can't wait until you <laughs> release those <laughs> episodes yeah yeah I'm super excited as well we're gonna start recording
1: next year so yeah. we already have a list of people but if you're listening to this and you want to participate like you have you are part of an intersectional group please let me know and I'm gonna make sure you're gonna be there
0: <laughs> yeah I, I might have some some uh, potential guests for yes. you as well, yeah, nice. great. And uh, I mean, Bila is a nonprofit, right? So, let's talk about how it is to run a nonprofit uh, in in Sweden and the challenges.
1: Yeah, I think that's a that's a great question because uh, when I decided to start a company here, one of the big questions was that uh, Are we going to run a, like startup? Is it going to be a product? Um, and I what I told Denise, my co founder, is that one of her values is that uh we wanted to build a community we didn't want to build you know, a private company we didn't want to we want to have social impact but the focus it is actually the community work that we're going to do we uh stand by never we never wanted to charge any of our uh, members of the community for anything because we know the struggles of coming here without a job and having to pay for things and, uh, yeah, so many many reasons made us think about, like, at least in the beginning, we're going to start as a nonprofit. One of the big challenges, of course, uh, by the time I started, my Swedish wasn't that good yet. It's still not perfect. Uh, but uh, by the time we started, it was difficult to find information available in English uh, for immigrants or for people, you know, non-native speakers. Uh, so that was one of the challenges. Second challenge was also... Many of the programs that we have today, and I love Stockholm for being, you know, such a tech hub and uh, so focused on entrepreneurship and also um, so many programs running, like you can meet a bunch of uh, VCs all the time. There's like pitch battles, everything focused on how do you uh, get money to be profitable and to scale up for nonprofits and for companies that are working, you know, with social impact. There's almost nothing, uh, so we had to get together with other companies like like ourselves and say, "Hey, it's missing for us. Uh, what's happening here?" So there's a lot of things going on. Like there, there is Vinova, all the programs that the uh, Swedish government have as well. But imagine. Uh, Coming here as an immigrant myself, it's already hard to learn the language, the basic language to survive, to go to Ica, to go to the restaurant. Imagining if you want to run a company and you want to apply for these funds, everything in Swedish, and then, you know, you get lost in translation. So this was hard. Um, And I feel like this is a message for everyone like thinking about starting your own nonprofit. Uh, It is a challenge because we do not have, you know, the same
0: support as if you were to to raise, you know, the new shiny startup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Sweden is, is a very good country where there are a lot of opportunities available. But you have to know where to go yes. and where you can find the right information. Plus yeah. one, plus one. To know. And especially yeah. if you, I mean, like you mentioned, if it is a non-profit, then you are more dependent on maybe grants, donations.
1: Um, and
0: donations. And that information is not always on English in English because that's very like local or like Swedish based so yeah I can imagine that there were a lot of challenges Um, but how are you how are you funded now like how do you yeah how do you work uh, with funding Vila
1: yeah so uh, the first year for us was a completely volunteer based uh, so I was volunteering my time Denise and all the other folks from the team uh, they were volunteering now that uh, in order to scale up and to keep you know the business up and running we had ambitious goals to get funding. And uh, first of all, yeah, we wanted to apply for grants. I think that was the most obvious uh, path. But we also thought that there there is an opportunity with tech companies as well. Because imagine we have a pool of 500 people that are either like starting their careers or looking forward to start their careers or already leaders in their fields and we have you know a bunch of tech companies on the other side that are looking to have more diversity in their in their um, staff. So we thought about let's try to uh, create you know some sort of opportunities here to connect these companies to our to our uh, community. So we try to monetize that that connection uh, so this is one one way for us to get funded. But also, when it comes to donations, uh, this year was an amazing year because we had you know, our requirements, we had a budget, we went to companies, and companies were like, oh, we love you, what you're doing is amazing, and we're like... Yeah, but, you know, we're not going to survive if we do not have uh, money. So we asked for donation and we managed to get, you know, funding enough to survive at least one more year and uh, being able to pay for people's work as well. That was something that I always have had on my mind, that I don't want to build this community in a volunteer basis only. I think people, you know, working for us and doing a very amazing hard work with the I mean, we have program managers for mentorship program. We have our social media gang. So, we are like, okay. we need to make sure that these people are getting what they deserve as well. So one of our priorities was actually to pay, you know, uh, the roles that we already
0: have and to be able to scale up, maybe hire more people as well. That's great. That's so good. And I I I think that that is that is like a a Trap like you already have women or underrepresented groups working so hard at their day job, and then plus they take on extra rep- responsibilities and want to give value back to the community, but that's non paid, yes, as on yes. top. Yeah, so I think that's uh, really good what you're doing, like to ask at least for your um team to get paid for the work or t- the hours that they put in yeah. yeah absolutely
1: and uh you know some of them uh, when we look at um offering them like the paying for the the time that they spent they say no we don't want and that's their choice right but in able to they, they say we want to give this money back to the community we want to keep investing on this because we are very clear by saying hey we can pay you Uh, right now, uh, but we probably won't be able to guarantee a long term because we live on donations and grants and so on and so forth. And many of them are like, okay, no, we don't. But that's a choice. And I think that's what's important. I keep talking that, well, my 9-to-5 job is not Billa, right? My nine-to-five job, it is at Spotify. I work there as an employee. And what I do at Spotify is I'm a senior product manager for the core infrastructure team. That's what I do. Anything else that I do for Spotify or for anyone else in terms of uh, diversity and inclusion, that's going to be another job. And I want to be paid for it. So one of the things that I keep encouraging people doing DNI work outside their, their working hours or working in their own companies, but, you know, leading Slack channels and leading communities within your own job for DNI, for women in tech is that start asking for budget budget you know to not only to finance your initiative, but the, the hours that you're putting there as well. We need to start paying people for their DNI work as well.
0: Yes, hundred percent. And I mean it, it, does, it doesn't have to be a lot of money but just a, a symbolic sum. Yes. you should get paid for the work that you do. And then you can choose to, to invest that money in, in BILA or in other community engagements that you have. You'll be able to give even more back because then you'll have some funding because you get paid for your other. And I think that's so important what you're saying. Um of course, you are very passionate about this area and you're very good at what you do, but you should get paid for it. You shouldn't be taken advantage just because you want to give back to also have these extra roles on top in your own, it can be in your own organization, just because, I mean, you should ask for a pay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I know
1: many companies are recognizing this, but I think there is a long way to go because whenever we talk diversity and inclusion, is still, you know, Still, the the underdog is still not being seen. You know something that is actually gonna be uh, making the company more profitable. So some companies are in levels of maturity that they actually recognize this and they say we need to have head of diversities and we need to fund the whole department for that. Other companies they are not and they are running on volunteering basis. And what I keep saying is that we should not uh, having this you know for long. I think it's okay to start as a volunteer organization. We did that path. But I also believe that we should aim to get paid eventually and have the choice, you know, to be a volunteer or not.
0: Mm. So, I mean, you are uh, very good at diversity and inclusion. So what is your um, uh, view of where we are in in Sweden on that um, topic?
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, hard to say about whole Sweden, but I have been well, one year and a half, uh, almost two years now in this journey with BILA and uh, getting to know different companies from different angles. And what I can say is that there are some companies here with a very high maturity level when it comes to diversity and inclusion and, uh, well, having diversity departments. But I am super impressed on how many companies do not even started their journey. So uh, if I have to compare, I would say probably the biggest tech companies that have a a lot more visibility, they are today companies that speak English all the time because they hire, you know, a lot of foreigners. Uh, But smaller companies, they are still very local and very much, you know, focused on the Swedish uh, language and culture and uh, being in a struggle to actually open. So I gave a talk... um, I don't know, summer, uh, last summer, uh, to a company, um, they are very much on the hardware side of things and, uh, their, um, staffing right now, I would say when it comes to diversity and especially gender diversity, they are a company that have only 15% of their, um, their company is actually, uh, a woman. So it's, a uh, Super challenging for them, one of the reasons why I was there, giving a talk and giving some inspiration. But uh, I remember that I ran, like, a very interactive presentation, and then I asked uh, questions, what it is that you have. And, you know, some of the concerns that I have is the lack of awareness. So, for example, people believing that there's no racism in Sweden. (laughs) yeah <laughs> yeah people yeah right yeah right <laughs> yeah right people believing that there's no racism in Sweden people believing that no there's no problem as uh, with diversity there's no problem with uh, inclusion and belonging here in Sweden everybody is you know so I think the uh, what makes me worried about Sweden is the denial and the lack of awareness that there is a problem here that needs to be solved and um uh, Unfortunately, this year, because of, you know, the whole election and anti-immigration agenda that we had, it was also a lot about trying to uh, put all the diversity and inclusion work within a political agenda mm-hmm. and saying that uh, this is uh, political. So I heard, for example, in one of these presentations that people were not comfortable of uh, uh, calling other colleagues uh, by their they and them pronouns. And they felt that this was a political act. If they, and I was always telling them, "Hey, this is human right. A person has the right to choose the pronouns that they want to be called. Uh, they have the right to choose the gender that they have. Uh, and if they are, you know, do not identify with the two genders, they can be non-binary as well." And all of this conversation, I feel, is still very much, you know,
0: starting. So we need to build a foundation. There's a lot of work to be done. Mm. Yeah. But the conversation is missing, I think, a bit. I mean, you have some places and some people talking about it in specific rooms, but it's not like in public. It's not talked. I, I've, I mean, I follow uh, a lot a lot more like American um, entrepreneurs and, and um, business owners and, and the conversation about the pronouns, for example, and it's much more open. It's much more... Out there, and like, yeah, it's nothing strange, but yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, there is, as I said, a lack of transparency and awareness about this. I don't see, I've been paying attention, especially after the elections, a lot about the political scenario here, but media, and uh, you know, there's such a specific target. That we are forgetting so many things and sometimes forgetting the basics. Uh, so I feel like talking more about this would be very helpful. Uh, we talk a lot about this with Bila. We have no, we are very transparent. So whenever I go, for example, to do a presentation, I think it's part of you know my Latina Brazilian side is to be very open about it and uh, have an open conversation. And I, I feel like people here they are very scared to make mistakes yeah to say the wrong thing to say the wrong things. to, wrong to things. lose face you know? exactly mm. and, and my my take on this is that make mistakes uh uh as long as you know you call somebody with the wrong pronoun ask uh, uh do it better you know uh say that you're sorry and do it better and next time and that's how you learn not being afraid of you know of not saying anything wrong so i guess in this dib space there's a lot of care about, I'm not going to, you know, touch this because this is very complicated. And then people do not learn. They just keep, you know, blind to to something that's really, really uh, happening. Mm.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think you're right there. Yeah. But we have like a big uh, also gap, gender gap in tech. So what is your take on that? Yeah, I
1: think uh, Sweden, if you compare to other countries, is probably much better Uh, which makes me happy Uh, when I came here, especially uh, where I came from in Brazil. The number of amazing women that I met making a difference in this space is great. I think uh, Sweden is making a lot of progress. This is the part that I'm, I'm happy about, you know, seeing the progress um, although there's, of course, a lot, a lot more uh, to do because it's not only about having more women in tech, but it's making them happy, right? Yeah. It's making them belong to tech. And I exactly. guess that, that's where we are right now in Sweden. So we are putting a lot of women in, but how do we make them belong? How do we make them want to stay and not leave the industry after many years? And one of the biggest reasons why women leave the tech industry is because it's still a very much male-oriented industry. So although we have a lot of women in the in the work uh, uh, workplace, and we are having much more, they do not stay because it sometimes it gets a pretty talk. To- it gets to be a pretty toxic environment. Um, yeah, and then one of one of the things that I feel is that. We are we are doing a good job when it comes to putting more women in tech. There's a lot, lot more that can be done. We are doing some progress when it comes to the belonging part, but what is missing? It's a lot about intersectionality. Mm-hmm. It's a lot about uh, having you know uh, a group, a panel of a, a, a woman in tech. Then ninety percent of the women in tech are blonde woman born and raised in Sweden, and then all of us immigrants that came here, we are like okay. Where's the space for us? Uh, How do we get into the conversation? So intersectionality is also something that I'm very, very focused because of the community, of course. But I always say that I like the pyramid that, you know, in the basis, you have most of the diversity that you can. And then when you start going up, you see more gender diversity going up in the pyramid. When you go to the top of the pyramid, you see only white men. That is how it is today. But then whenever you also have... uh, uh, more intersectionality, you usually have one of one group. And that happens a lot with me. It happens a lot that, you know, people hire me for diversity and inclusion, jo- and inclusion jobs because I'm a token, right? Because I'm a woman of color. I come from Brazil. I'm an immigrant. So I carry a lot of an intersectionality with me. And that's okay. I mean, as long as they are paying me, that's the first. Right? Yeah, that's we that. want to get paid. We want to get paid. And second, as long as I'm there, To represent, because we need more representation, um, especially when it comes to leadership. Uh, We have uh, women in tech in the basis of the pyramid. When we go up, it's getting, you know, less and less. And and that's not getting better. That's not having uh, progress if you look at the data.
0: Oh, (laughs) (laughs) you touched upon (laughs) so many interesting and deep things here. Um, I think that the key is belonging like you can put a lot of more people in the same room but if you don't change the culture so that people feel included and be- belong to to a specific group or a specific industry we're not not going to fix the problem and and i think that's important what you said we we're just pushing more women in i mean that's good because then we get more women in but we're not solving the problem because they don't they don't stay and uh, yeah i mean it's also super interesting what you're saying. Like we have come one step; and that's the gender equality. But the next step is the diversity and then and inclusion from different, uh, different backgrounds, different experiences, nationalities, languages, and, and yeah. yeah,
1: absolutely. And I think that uh, Sweden, as I said, it's it's in a very good uh, position compared to other countries when it comes to women diversity. But I think also belonging as you said is key and with belo- belonging comes allyship right yeah. and i think allyship is so important in this country because as i said we have we still have many people that are not creating awareness or are in denial yeah and uh, in order to be a good ally you need to create awareness right we need yeah. to understand what's happening on the other side yeah and uh, i always keep saying that uh, for my uh women colleagues uh born and raised in sweden that had you know all the opportunities look at your uh fellows and your sisters you know that come from one, another background and create an environment for us as well um especially when it comes to creating not not changing the culture but you know uh making that making sure that the values uh, are being met and i think you know culture changes from time to time we we are having we're passing through a big cultural shift right now because of covid and working remotely but values values need to be there and i think making sure that you are a good ally is actually making sure that uh, you are you are guaranteed that your the values the values of the company that you're building that
0: you're working on are being respected mm. So. Mm. and invite other people to contribute to build that together yeah so important absolutely Mm. such a nice conversation yes I I love it (laughs) so what are your hopes for next year so what are my hopes for next
1: year I usually don't do a lot of new year goals I'm not the kind of person that puts in a list of goals and that's because it generates me a lot of anxiety and a lot of frustration so I would say that for this year uh, 2022 I am taking my time right now to celebrate all the achievements that we had during this year. I think there is a, we have this tendency of not celebrating. We have this tendency to, okay, we finished this. What is next? What is next? What is next? So I like end of the years because I like to celebrate the past. Celebrate the old. I love that. Celebrate the old much more than envisioning the new. Envisioning the new is important. Yes. But celebrating the old and giving all your tap and say, well done. I think this is, Amazing. I think this is the part where we should focus uh, because it, it actually, you know, it's more about gratitude than it is about the anxiety of the future.
0: Yeah. And then you see how much you grow.
1: Yes, exactly. And then you see how much, oh, my God, I was a completely different person. Yeah. Yeah. This year was a specifically difficult year for me. It was the first time I was clinically depressed. Um, I fought a lot with my mental health. Uh, We had to drop off some things for Bila because of this and because of, uh, well, work and trying to manage my time. So what I expect, what I hope for next year is that I can keep uh, the good work that I'm doing with my mental health and uh, keep healthy. So that's one of my expectations. I really hope that uh, we can keep healthy, like not only myself, but ourselves, right? With the whole pandemic and everything that we can keep uh, uh pushing for our health and putting you know our mental health uh, as as uh, as important as our physical health as well mm, so F- important super for bila i expect that we we are going to have you know new programs because we are uh, understanding that most of our alumni and people that um contributed to us that are more like leaders in the industry, they miss something they lack because we have so much focus on people, newcomers and people who want to join tech. But we do have a big community of people that are in leadership roles. And as I said, it can be very lonely. Right. Sometimes we are the only one in the room. So we're going to have programs to tackle how to help, you know, um, immigrants, uh, women and non-binary into leadership roles. So we're going to focus on that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a need that we capture with surveys and things that we did. So that's a a big thing. And also I would say for myself, one of my hopes for me is that I can catch up more with Swedish uh, because I am uh, putting more effort into learning the language. Uh, But also I have been traveling as a digital nomad. So for me, it's going to be a lot about traveling. I'm going to uh, Africa now on the 25th for the first time. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be a lot about uh, an ancestry journey.
0: Ooh, interesting.
1: Because I know that you know, based on my DNA test, thirty percent of my blood comes from that part ah. of the world, and I want to understand where did my ancestors came from. What are their stories? Uh, and unfortunately, a very sad story with the slavery. But uh, I want to go to slavery museums. I want to understand. Uh, I, I really believe that we we need to learn from the past to to envision the future, and that's what I'm saying about like how I believe that we should celebrate the old. So much, because I feel my my mantra these days have been how do you like celebrate the old you learn from the past to envision the new, and that's why i'm I'm doing a journey to the past, to my past and my story,
0: yeah so interesting, and you have to understand yourself right, and if that's part of who you are or or have led to be who you are, i mean passed on to you in, in many generations then then it's good to understand yourself you need to understand your ancestor and 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 the history that you come from
1: yeah absolutely when i think about the future i think a lot about the power of ancestry uh, the power of the ones that came before us yeah. and uh, how this is impactful in our lives, in our present. Uh, and unfortunately for me and for us all Brazilians, it is very hard for us to track our past mm. because we had, in a way, an erasure in our past. We do not have our ancestors' names. our All our last names are Europeans. And uh, because of colonization and all... Uh, the bad things that happened to to my country, there's no way to track our history back in time. So I feel like, uh, well, the maximum that I can do is try to understand where my DNA is coming from and uh, try to understand the struggles. I think it's also uh, very impactful for me, like, for example, in the way that I dress. I love having, you know... Um, turbans and things like from African origins. And I think it's a good way for me to honor my ancestry. But also, I don't want to be disrespectful with, you know, uh, others. So I want to go there and see how it is, how they use, how it is to to use it respectfully. So I think it's going to be a much more a journey about myself.
0: Yes. You know. And you'll also find your power, I think, when you understand your path and your ancestors, you understand the power that you have within you and what have been driving you to this point today where you are like what are your drives and what is your why and what power has pushed you forward
1: yeah yeah and also like get so inspired by the story of mm. people who fought so hard mm. you know and uh, made so many revolutions and so many transformations i want to hear those stories as well i want to uh, get inspired by what my ancestors did uh, and uh, where their
0: strength came from. I think that's probably where my strength is going to come from as well. Yeah, I'm sure of that. Wow, that's going to be a uh, interesting, I think, experience. Yes. And and you're going to grow from that. Yes. Wow, that sounds amazing. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. and I usually ask my guests in the end uh, for their best advice.
1: I think like, uh, based on this last minutes of, of our conversation, I would say the best advice is for us to, always learn about ourselves. I think self-awareness uh, and you know at at some point in life I think everyone should go into a journey inside and should understand uh, who you are, who is the person that you become and challenge you know your behaviors, challenge your beliefs. I think that's uh, uh, combining a little bit what what I said about the lack of awareness uh, here when it comes to DIB, And the only way that we can end, you know, not only racism, but, you know, any sort of prejudice that we have is if we confront ourselves and confront our beliefs. And for this, you need to understand who you are.
0: Yeah. And realize your biases as well and your privilege, because what you mentioned before with... People not realizing or in denial, that's a privilege, right? Because they haven't experienced racism or exclusion or, or uh, things like that. Then they don't believe that there is anything of that here. But, but I think it's very healthy to realize your privilege and then put yourself into someone else's shoes.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. And, uh, well, give opportunity to listen, right, to stories and uh, confront your bias, confront your beliefs. Uh, and the only way to do this is to be aware of who you are and uh, your beliefs as well. And sometimes who we are, and I've been learning this more and more, uh, it's it's hard to do by ourselves uh, to look inside. It's very hard. Uh, sometimes you need help, external help, new therapy. You need coaches. You need people to call out to you, uh, but also going after your past and understanding who 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 that is that you you became because of uh, all the influences that you had. I think it's it's amazing. Mm-hmm. So my advice is that get to know yourself and challenge your bias and challenge your beliefs. I think
0: that's a big step for for the society. Yeah, so go on a a journey to find yourself. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing, that sounds so good. And um, uh, are there any other tech hustlers that you would like me to interview? I have so many. (laughs) Yeah, give me me a couple of them. I have a
1: list. uh, I'm going to say... Let me... Name one. Uh, so I would I would definitely would like to hear about more uh, non-profits as myself because as I said, well if we look entrepreneurs and people doing amazing th- amazing things there's a bunch uh, people who work with communities. I would say the girls from MSTAC. I don't know if you know them. Yeah, so they work with women of color. Uh, so only for black women and uh, people who are. Uh, consider themselves as a person of color and um who else i don't know have you if you ever i don't know i, I don't know if i've seen dora from uh yes yeah I don't yeah, know, yeah. She is,
0: she's on my list she's
1: on your list okay yeah. dora is amazing as well she's uh um, imagine labs for imagine yeah exactly imagine they're cold now i guess yeah yeah and uh yeah, Dora would be one, and then I would go to Samira from Emstack, another name. Uh, we have many sister organizations like us. I would say Greg from New to Sweden, but then he's not a woman, <laughs> so maybe <laughs> maybe not Greg. Uh, but there are like uh, other other tech hustlers and women that I think it would be super nice for you to get to know them. Uh, I can I can say Lori. I don't know if you know Lori. Lori is an American. Uh, woman who moved here a couple of years ago and she is um she has her own business uh, about leadership coaching she has a for women specifically so she's a coach for uh uh, woman leaders in the industry and she's you know immigrant in in tech but also like entrepreneur and
0: trying to hack the swedish system so i think it's also super nice Interesting. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Juliana, for being here and thank you for the amazing work that you do for the ecosystem. Thank you. Thank you so much for the podcast and for the amazing work that you do.
1: I am a fan. I'm gonna be listening on the next episodes and thanks for doing this
0: for us. It's amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. What did you think about today's episode? Let me know on LinkedIn and Instagram at TechHustler. This podcast is a passion project of mine. So if it speaks to you, it would mean a lot to me if you would give it a nice review and share it with your friends. See you next week. And until then, hustle smarter, not harder.